Welcome to the John Campia Podcast, episode 16 for Wednesday, April the 13th, 2016. This episode of the John Campia Podcast is sponsored by geekfeed.com. Stuff your geek hole. Hey guys, and thanks for joining me on today's podcast. We're going to talk about Ben Affleck is now officially directing the standalone Batman film. Spider-Man has a new title. The Doctor Strange trailer drops. Underworld gets a new title as well. What will be the next Disney live action fairy tale? And a whole bunch more. So sit back, relax. The John Campia podcast starts right now. Well, hey there, guys, and welcome to the show for this Wednesday. Wow, what a night last night. When Last night, uh, as, as many of you know, I went to go see uh, Captain America Civil War last week, and I went with a few people, but last night I got to go to the actual world premiere of Captain America Civil War held at the Dolby Theater, which is, of course, the theater where the Oscars are held every year, right down there uh, at, by the corner of Hollywood and Highland in Hollywood, California. It was fantastic. It was such a great night, and the fans were great, and walking the right carpet was great. I cannot believe um, how many people down there that are fans of either this podcast or movie talk or Jedi Council or Heroes or whatever, um, because as we were walking down the carpet, we had to stop um, I don't know, a dozen times to say hi to people as people we'd be walking by and people be calling out and saying they love the shows and stuff like that. So thank you for any of you who were down there. Thank you so much um, for making that evening really special for Anne and I. I was actually pretty cool. People recognized Anne too and people called out Anne's name a few times as we were walking down the carpet. It was so much fun. Uh, bumped into Paul Bettany. I uh, saw Tom Holland there before he jumped on a plane and flew out to Las Vegas for the presentation at CinemaCon. Um, it, it was great. But one of the coolest things they did, one of the coolest things they did at the Captain America Civil War premiere last night was, okay, so Anne and I are in the theater now. Okay, so we're in the theater and we're in our seats. And we're seeing all these celebrities and everything and all these people that are there. And walking up the aisle just a few feet from us, we notice Bruce Buffer. Now, if you don't know who Bruce Buffer is, he is the ring announcer for the UFC. So, for the millions of fans around the world, it's time! It's it, Bruce Buffer was there. And like I turned to Ann and I go, oh my God, what if? Because what is traditional at these big world premieres is often they'll bring out the cast. Um, to take a bow at, and the filmmakers to come out and take a bow before they start the movie. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what if Bruce Buffer gets on stage and does the fighting in this corner for Captain America and fighting in this corner for Team Iron Man? Like, what if they did that? Wouldn't that be hilarious? And me and Anne start getting excited. And then sure enough, the lights go down, but Bruce Buffer is way back in his seat. And I'm like, oh, I guess they're not going to do it. But then who comes walking out on stage but Bruce Buffer's brother, Michael Buffer, who is, of course, the world-famous boxing announcer. Um, he's the guy who does the, let's get ready to rumble. That's Michael Buffer. So they had Michael Buffer come out on stage and actually introduce the cast for the movie uh, via different sides. The team Iron Man side first, the team Captain America team second. And he came in. 
like as and he just announced them as fighters and it was so great and it was so much fun and man it got the energy in the Dolby theater really ramped up just to start the fight and after he introduced all the sides and they're about to start the movie he goes he goes and now for the thousands in attendance and the millions of Marvel fans around the world. Let's get ready to rumble. And he does a thing and the place went nuts. It was so much fun. It was just so great. And it just added to that whole experience of being there at the world premiere. And, and again, I saw now I'm recording this podcast in the morning on Wednesday. And as many of you know, the review embargo for Captain America Civil War lifts today, but it is not lifted yet. It doesn't lift till about 2 o'clock in the afternoon today. So I'm not going to be reviewing it on the podcast today. I am going to be reviewing it uh, on my YouTube channel a little bit later today. Uh, and of course, for those of you who don't know where my YouTube channel is, it's just at youtube.com slash John Campia. So head on over there and subscribe to my channel now, and I will put up my uh, little review for Captain America Civil War a little bit later today over there. So anyway, that was our evening last night. Such a good time. And th- again, thanks to uh, everybody involved and everybody who said hi to us down there last night. It made it just a, a really special evening. All right. So aside from the Captain America Civil War uh, premiere, there is a major event going on each year that called CinemaCon. CinemaCon is, I believe it's put on by NAFTA, the North America Theater Owners Association. And this is a big, major, powerful organization within the movie world. And it's basically all the the movie theater chains. So it's Cinemark, it's AMC, it's uh, Regal, it's you name them, they're there. They're represented in the the North American Theater Owners Association. And honestly, besides Comic-Con, my favorite event to go to every year uh, is CinemaCon. Now, it's not open to the public. Uh, just people involved in the industry are allowed to go. But what happens at CinemaCon every year is all the studios come and they give these big presentations about the movies they have coming up this year, as well as doing special screenings. Uh, for, they're actually going to be screening Captain America Civil War at CinemaCon this year. Uh, every year they usually screen two or three films. But they have these big presentations and they bring all the stars and all the actors. And basically, it's their way and, and it's big, okay? When I say it's just the movie theater owners, don't just think it's like 50 people sitting in an audience. It's like a 7,000-seat auditorium filled with all these reps from around the world. And so the studios come. They bring all their talent uh, to sell their movies to the theater owners about you know to try to get all the theaters to – book as many engagements of their movies as possible. So they really do a good job. And I've always loved CinemaCon because not a lot of press goes. So as opposed to say Comic-Con where you go and you get in a press line with 115 other press, usually the press line at CinemaCon is about 20 people. And so you know when when I would go to CinemaCon as press, I would get interviews with everybody. And I would get a few minutes to talk to everybody who was there. It's just really wonderful. And they show they show a lot more stuff than they show at Comic-Con. Um, and they bring a lot more talent than usually shows up at Comic-Con too. So it's usually great. Now, I took a pass on CinemaCon this year because I wanted to go to the Captain America Civil War premiere. Um, but that went on. It's going on actually right now as we speak. So it started uh, yesterday or the day before. I can't remember. But it is going on still as we speak. But one of the big things, a couple of really big things came out of CinemaCon yesterday. 
And the the first big major thing that went flying around is something we all expected, but we didn't know for sure, and now we know for sure. Warner Brothers chair uh, Kevin Sujihara announced that Ben Affleck is indeed not only writing the standalone Batman film, Ben Affleck has been signed on to direct the standalone Batman film. So Ben Affleck will be writing, directing, and starring in the upcoming Batman standalone film. Now, they fell short of giving anybody any more details. They also didn't announce a release date, which has a lot of us fans frustrated that we still don't know a release date for this movie. But still, the big news here is Ben Affleck has signed on. It's official. He's directing the new standalone Batman film. And I don't care who you are. You have to consider this magnificent news. Absolutely magnificent news for a couple of reasons. Number one, even though we all expected to hear that a standalone Batman movie was coming, just the fact that it is now official a Batman standalone movie is coming. And look, I know there are mixed reactions out there for Batman v Superman. I know the vast majority of the critics did not like Batman v Superman. You know that I am one of the guys who did like Batman v Superman. I like that movie. I'll, I'll, I'll still defend it to this day. Actually, I feel like every time John Schnepp and I get together, we end up arguing over Batman versus Superman. But um, I'm still a wholeheartedly a supporter of Batman vs. Superman. Like I said before, I totally acknowledge it has its major problems. Uh, and I'm not blaming anybody for not liking it if you don't. But for me, it worked and I had a lot of fun with it. Could it have been better? Yes, it absolutely could have been better. But I still thought it was a worthwhile film and I had a good time with it. But even people, and you've heard me say this before, even people who did not like Batman vs. Superman, even most of the critics who did not like Batman vs. Superman, what you will hear from most people and most critics, even the ones who did not like Batman versus Superman, almost universally people agree Ben Affleck made one hell of a Batman. And the Batman character was great. And that has been a common thread. So we got to be excited that this character played by this guy in a movie that a lot of people didn't like still loved him as this character and so the fact that it is now official that a Batman standalone film is coming has got to be considered good news. I, I do wish they gave us a release date, but whatever. So we know that's coming. The The second big reason here to be super excited is Ben Affleck directing this thing. Look, Ben Affleck has proved... And look, the dude is batting a thousand. He has directed three major feature-length films, all right, that have been released. All right, so he had uh, Gone Baby Gone. Um, he had Argo. And he had The Town. So, like, in, in any books, he's three for three. All those, all three of those films are wonderful. Argo, I, I actually thought The Town maybe deserved a Best Picture nomination. I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I wouldn't put it in the top three, four, five of the year, but I thought in, you know, in our current reality where up to 10 movies get nominated, I thought The Town maybe could have gotten a nomination for Best Picture. But the Argo, Argo did win Best Picture. I mean, the last film that Ben Affleck directed won Best Picture at the Oscars. And it won Ben Affleck, Director of the Year from the Directors Guild of America. You know, all the directors, they voted Ben Affleck Best Director of the Year. 
Uh, and he won just about every other major dire- major director uh, award that season, except for the Oscar itself, which I'll never understand that, but whatever. So look, you got a guy who's directed three films like Gone Baby Gone, The Town, and Argo. Three wonderful films. And that guy who just played Batman and everybody loved him as Batman. And you know, this guy is a lifelong Batman fan. He even built a bat cave in his house for heaven's sakes. This is long before he was ever cast to play Batman. If you're a fan of comic book movies, if you're a fan of the Batman character, you have to be excited about this. You absolutely have to be excited by this. This is terrific news. Because you know that we're going to get more of what we loved in the Batman we saw in uh, BVS. And we're going to get even more of that in an entire movie just focused on this character. Now, a lot will have to do with what's their story going to be, who's the villain going to be, all that kind of stuff. Look, I, I just I trust Ben Affleck. Whatever he decides to do, he and Warner Brothers decide to do, I'm just going to trust it and I'm trust it's going to be great. And the fact that he is in the director's chair... I think it's fantastic. And look, I held no, I made no secret about it. Even though I love what Zack Snyder did with Man of Steel. And even though I like the job he did with Batman versus Superman, I really thought Zack Snyder should step away now from the DC Cinematic Universe, at least from a directing point of view. It's cool if he still wants to produce because he could, I think he could bring some really good things to the table as a producer. I really thought Ben Affleck should direct the Justice League. I thought they should have got Ben Affleck to direct the Justice League. Just being honest, that's just my opinion. But please do not take that as any sort of slam on Zack Snyder. I love what he did with Man of Steel. I'm one of the guys who appreciates what he did with BBS. He's obviously, he did great with uh, 300. I loved his little animated film, The Owls of Ghoul. I think, I mean, people are mixed on what he did with Watchmen, but there are people out there who really love what he did with Watchmen. Uh, and yeah, yeah, he, you know, he's, he did sucker punch and that, that movie sucked. I, I'll give it that. But me saying I really think it was time for Zack Snyder to move on and let somebody else come in and direct Justice League, like a Ben Affleck, that's what I think they should have done. But that is in no way, in no way interp- should be interpreted as a slam against Zack Snyder. Because, and you've heard me say this before, even though I think Zack Snyder should, should leave the Justice League project, I'd still be really looking forward to whatever it is he does next. It's just I I think it's I think he's ran his course with DC. That's all. But they've started shooting it. Zack Snyder is directing Justice League, so we'll just have to cross our fingers and hope for the best. And that's cool. That's fine. But man, I'm telling you, I am so stoked about Ben Affleck. It finally being official. And like I said off the top, I know we've expected this. This isn't big news, but it was never official. And now it is. And I think that's fantastic. All right, let's move on to the next thing here. Uh, you know, Sony got up. At CinemaCon. So Warner Brothers did their big presentation, but Sony also did their presentation at CinemaCon. And look, I'm not going to talk about their MIB 23. I'm, I'm just not going to talk about it. Maybe I'll talk about it in the next podcast. I'm I'm so overwhelmed by how stupid this idea is that um, I just don't want to talk about it yet. I want to give myself another 48 hours to maybe try to figure out what Sony's mindset is on this. And maybe I'll, I'll get on board. Maybe I'll figure it out and I'll get on board. Who knows? I, my, my reaction to the whole MIB 23 thing is just really dumb right now. So I don't want to go into it too much right now. I want to think on it a little bit more and read a little bit more and try to understand 
what they're going for here. Because who knows? Maybe it could be something wonderful, right? I mean, who knows? But I do want to talk about the big announcement, which was, as has been rumored over the past week or so, the Sony Spider-Man movie now has a title. And the title is Spider-Man Homecoming. Now, look, I saw a lot of people online um, complaining about this title, saying they didn't like it. And I'll be honest with you. I don't understand what people's problem with this title is. I think it's a nice title. I think it's a really nice title. Plus, it has a couple of, you know, maybe double entendres there. First of all, Tom Holland came out and said, look, Tom Holland said, this is a great title because it really is about Peter coming home. It's about understanding where his place in the world is and where he fits in. So in that respect, Homecoming, from a movie point of view, makes sense. But also remember, while Spider-Man still belongs to Sony, and this is a Sony film, Spider-Man has now entered the MCU as a character. Spider-Man is now a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so... From a film point of view, the world the word homecoming I think makes sense, and from a what's the best word for it here? From a um, emotional I guess perspective, the title homecoming really makes sense too because now Spider Man's come home to the MCU. So I think the term Spider Man Homecoming is a perfectly fine title. Look, was Spider Man Homecoming would that have been my first choice? For the title for the first Spider-Man standalone film? No, wouldn't have been my first choice. I'll admit that. But I don't think this is a bad title. I think it makes sense. I think it makes great sense uh, from a representative point of view. And it also makes sense from a literal point of view. So I think this sounds pretty good. And look, like I said, I'm not going to go into a review of Captain America Civil War. But just to reflect a lot of things that I've said on social media and said in my previous podcast, what a lot of other people saying on social media, this is a very, I think we're off to a really good start with this new Spider-Man. Now, like I said, anybody you hear saying, this is the best Spider-Man ever, I think they're getting way ahead of themselves. Because what we saw in Captain America Civil War, I mentioned this before, is far too small of a sample size to really know whether, like, how great of a Spider-Man this is. Because like I said, he's in two scenes. And in one of the scenes, it's not even Tom Holland. It's basically just a CGI character and you just see Tom Holland for a split for a split second. But um, but definitely off to a very, very good start. I loved the Spider-Man character in Captain America Civil War. And that has done nothing but build my excitement for a standalone Spider-Man movie. Now, a lot of people are still asking, where is the balance... Who's in control of these standalone Spider-Man movies? Because we hear Kevin Feige talking about it. We hear Sony. Who's in control? Look, you can't make it any more simple than this. Sony controls Spider-Man. As a matter of fact, everything, even in Captain America Civil War, everything that they wanted to have Peter Parker say or do in Captain America Civil War, Sony had to approve. Now, at the same time, Marvel is going to have an awful lot, and Kevin Feige is one of the producers of the film, is going to have an awful lot of creative input into the Spider-Man standalone film. I guess now we can call it Spider-Man Homecoming. Kevin Feige is going to have a lot of input on, on Homecoming. Marvel is going to have a lot of input on Homecoming. But, ultimately, the final say is Sony, because Spider-Man, in the cinematic world, 
Spider-Man is Sony's character. He's not Marvel's character. I know it's weird to think of it that way, but that's the way it is. In the cinematic world, Spider-Man is still Sony's character. And I think it's been, I think it's very smart of Sony. Look, Kevin Feige can almost do no wrong. I mean, right? I mean, he's just knocking balls out of the park, left, right, and center. You would be foolish to not say, Kevin, we want as much of your input as you are willing to give. Because clearly you're doing something right. And we think it's going to be good for the Marvel Cinematic Universe to have Spider-Man there. And we think it's going to be good for our character Spider-Man to be a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Give us as much input as you're willing to give. They would be foolish not to do that. But at the end of the day, whatever Kevin Feige brings them and says, we should do this with Spider-Man, it's still Sony's decision as to go, okay, yes, let's do that. Or to say, no, Kevin, we don't want to do that. We want to do something else. So it's a very interesting balance. It'll be really interesting to see how well this relationship between Sony and Marvel works out long term. But look, we've just got a glimpse of their first collaborative effort, seeing Spider-Man in Captain America Civil War. And so far, that collaborative effort between Sony and Marvel, in my opinion, is paying off. Because while it's too soon to call this the greatest Spider-Man ever, we can say Spider-Man works out amazingly in Captain America Civil War. So really good things to look forward to. So yeah, end of the day, I'm fine with the title Spider-Man Homecoming. Not jumping up and down about it. Not super excited about it. But who cares? It's just a title. I think it's a perfectly acceptable title. I'd be curious to know what you guys think. Send me off a tweet. Uh, Make sure you're following me on Twitter at John Campia. Send me a tweet. Let me know what you think of the title Spider-Man Homecoming. All right, let's move on to topic number three here. It was, while I was at the Captain America Civil War premiere, a little trailer dropped online on Jimmy Kimmel for the new Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Tilda Swinton. Uh, We got to see all of them showcased. And I was kind of wondering if they were going to have Benedict Cumberbatch, um, if they were going to have him just have his natural English accent, or if he was going to go American, he went American. And I'm sure a lot of people are very happy about that. I would have been cool if he kept his British accent too, myself, but whatever. He's gone with the American accent. That's cool. The trailer drops. And man, this is a very different kind of trailer for a Marvel film. This, to me, this is one of the most unique trailers Marvel has ever put out. This, because it's all like metaphysical, this trailer. It's, you were used to seeing a Marvel trailer with a lot of explosions and bangs and pops. And, and you know, and that's good. That's, you, you're putting out these teasers in these trailers to get people's attention and to get them excited. And instead of going that way, they went really more, I feel like this trailer was really more about the character of Doctor Strange and giving people who maybe have never even heard of Doctor Strange before, a little bit of insight into who and what this character is. That one scene especially that I loved was when Tilda Swinton is the ancient one, like does that palm fist punch on Doctor Strange and it knocks his aura out of his body. I mean, that that one shot so embodied to me what Doctor Strange is. And what this movie could probably be. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a Marvel film. 
there's going to be lots of action. I have no doubt that Kevin Feige will bring the action to this film. I have no doubt about that at all. But I thought this was a really nice change of pace kind of first trailer. Now, look, I know there were some people out there who were disappointed by it because they wanted to be in there and just see lots of wizards battling and explosions and stuff like that. And look, I'm sure, remember, the movie doesn't come out till November, okay? So we're in May, June, July, August, September, October. We're still like seven months away till the movie comes out. I'm sure we're going to get many trailers that are going to show off lots of the action set pieces in Doctor Strange. I'm sure that's coming, so be patient. For me personally, this is a first trailer. I thought it was really special. I thought it was unique. And I thought it gave people who knew nothing about Doctor Strange. And let's face it, that's the majority of the people out there. The majority of the people watching this trailer know nothing about Doctor Strange. And I think this little trailer was a really nice introduction to the character. And personally, I'm really excited about it. All right, let's move on to the fourth topic today. This also got released there. And I'll be honest, I don't understand what they're doing. Anyway, the fourth, or the, I don't know, I, I've lost count. I don't know if this is the fourth or the fifth Underworld film, but as many of you know, um, a new Underworld film is coming, once again starring Kate Beckinsale, who, for the life of me, I cannot understand how this woman is not an, a perennial year-in, year-out A-list actress. She's stupid attractive. She is stupid talented. I don't, I, I just don't understand. It looked for a while there, a couple of years ago, like she was on the cusp of becoming like one of the most trusted actresses in Hollywood. And then it just never kind of happened. I don't know. Maybe it was the Underworld series that did her in. I don't know. Like Underworld is a series of movies to me. And for those of you, look, let me, I won't bury the lead here. Underworld announced the new title for the new film. And it's Underworld Blood Wars, which I, I think it's October this year. It's coming out uh, later this year. So the newest Underworld film, Underworld Blood Wars, is coming out. Not a bad title, actually. Not a bad title. But this is a franchise. I don't get it. I, I don't get why they keep going back to this. Because the first Underworld had a lot of potential and a lot of promise. And I think they set up some really, really cool things. I don't think the movie delivered on its potential, but I still enjoy the first Underworld film. And I thought it set up a lot of really cool stuff that this could have been a very, very special franchise. But ever since Underworld Blood Wars, this franchise has just kind of gone downhill more and more every single film. And so I was really shocked when I found out that they were announcing and they were going to be shooting yet another one. And Kate Beckinsale was coming back for it. And hey, any excuse to see Kate Beckinsale in those, that, that tight black leather hunter, you know, uh, hunter outfit that she wears, death dealers, I think they call them. Uh, any excuse for that, I'm good with. That's fine. I'm all on board for that. But, and to see Beckinsale act in any movie, I'm good with as well. Like I said, I'm floored that she's not in more A-list stuff because this girl is such a good actress. At any rate, uh, so this Blood Wars coming out, look, I'm going to do what I do with every other movie. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to check my expectations at the door and I'm just going to watch the movie and then, you know, judge the movie in its own merits. Because remember, guys, there are two separate things here. And I'm going off on a bit of a rabbit trail here, but I think this is a good time to bring this up. There are two separate things. The first thing is, what are you expecting from the film? How does a film look to you? All right. So does this movie look good or does it look bad? 
Do I have high, high expectations or low expectations? Whatever. Oh, this movie looks like it could be okay. Or this movie looks like it's going to be garbage. Or this movie looks like it's going to be fantastic. Whatever. And that's fair to have whatever opinion you have about a movie in the previewing of it stage. How do you think the movie looks? Right? That's one thing. How the movie is, is a totally separate thing. Because how a movie looks is just like you're previewing of the movie expectations of the film. And it is cool to have whatever opinion you have. I think it looks good. I think it looks bad. I think it looks okay. I think it looks like it has potential. I think it looks worrisome. Whatever it is, that's fine. The key is, though, and you've probably heard me mention this before. The key is, as a film fan, first of all, this is an absolute rule for film critics. And and film critics who don't follow this rule shouldn't be allowed to be film critics. But, But I think this is also important for film fans. The key as a film fan, though, is not to not have expectations and to not have uh, an opinion as to whether you think it looks good or looks bad. No, you should have those opinions. The key is, once you get to the movie theater to see the movie, take all those expectations, take all those predictions, take all those previewing thoughts you had about the film, Put them in a bag, a metaphysical bag, and leave that bag at the door of the theater. Do not bring those opinions. Do not bring those expectations. Do not bring those thoughts into the movie theater with you. Leave them at the door and say to yourself, okay, I saw this trailer, thought it was good. I saw the second trailer, I didn't think it was so good. I saw the third trailer, thought it was all right. My expectations went from pretty good to now I don't. Now I, I'm kind of have my doubts about this movie. You take all of those thoughts, bundle them up in a package, and then leave them at the door when you walk into the movie. Because now, when you're going into the movie theater, there is no place for those. Now you have to go in. If you're a film fan, you got to go in and take all the expectations out, and now just watch the movie. Watch the first act, the second act, the third act. Watch all of it. Take in its its drama. Take in its comedy. Take in its action. Take in its thrills. Take in whatever it is. And then evaluate it on its own merits, completely separate from what your expectations were going in. And that's why, as a film fan, I get to be pleasantly surprised. Look, I bring this one up all the time, but the the most recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, not the new one coming out later this year, but but the last one that came out, the first one produced by Michael Bay. <clears throat> I thought that movie looked terrible. My expectations for that movie were so low, I almost lost descriptive words for how bad I thought that movie was going to be. And that's fair because I'm just judging what it looks like it's going to be. But then what happened? Then I went to the movie theater. I took all my expectations. I put them in a bag and I left them at the theater door. Then I just went in and watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And guess what? I know a lot of you guys didn't like it and that's cool. But I did. I ended up liking it. I was shocked and surprised. But because I was able to take my expectations and leave them at the door, go in and watch the movie, I've been allowed to be pleasantly surprised a few times. By movies, and that's the key. So, look, for me, when we're looking at underworld blood wars, 
I'm looking at the track record, what they've done so far, the trajectory of their success or lack thereof. And I think, and this is totally fair for me to have this opinion, I think this is a mistake. I think this is a total mistake for them to do another Underworld film. I think it's a mistake for Kate Beckinsale, who is far too talented of an actress, to further cement herself in this one role as Celine and be more and more attached to the Underworld name when I think she should be a breakout A-list star and doing other things to maybe break that connection between her and the Underworld franchise. I don't, That's just my opinion. Just my opinion. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking this is a tragic mistake. But when this movie comes out, take those expectations, put them in a box, leave them at the door, and maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised. Look, for all I know, maybe some executive at Lakeshore said, you know what? Okay, we, okay, we crapped the bed a few times on Underworld, but I just came up with this new idea for Underworld that I really might think make it awesome again. And then other execs heard the idea and went, yes, that is awesome. Even though it's a risk, we should do another Underworld movie because we believe this one is really going to knock it out of the park. Maybe that's the case. So I'm saying I think this is a mistake, but I don't know how the movie is going to be. Maybe the movie will be great. Maybe it won't be so great. We'll have to see. So that's just my thoughts on that. All right, guys, before I get to our Twitter questions, and you know I like to take Twitter Twitter questions uh, every episode of the John Campy Podcast, I want to take a moment and thank the sponsors of this episode. Geekfeed.com, the world's greatest dedicated geek news feed, providing you with fresh, juicy, up-to-the-minute breaking news and shareable content on all things geek. It's the place to get your geek fix. They eat and sleep nothing but geek, scouring the interweb to serve up some seriously tasty geek nuggets. So get ready to cram every orifice with the very latest from the world of comics, games, TV, and movies. Chow down on some of the funniest vines and memes. Feast your eyes on the latest trailers, posters, and fan art. So remember, connect with geekfeed.com across all social medias. That's geekfeed.com. G-E-E-K. F-E-E-D-D-O-T-C-O-M, geekfeed.com. And we here at the John Campion Podcast would like to thank geekfeed.com for supporting this episode. All right, so let's get into some Twitter questions now. How do you get one of your questions on the John Campion Podcast? It's simple. Just tweet out your question and make sure you include the hashtag TJCP, or that's short for the John Campia podcast. Send out your question in a tweet and just make sure you include the hashtag TJCP. That way I'll be sure to see it. And maybe you can get your question on the show. All right, let's start off with the first question. The first question today comes from Chance Morse, who writes, John, after Beauty and the Beast next year, what do you think will be the next live action Disney remake? Um, interesting question. Look, there are actually a whole bunch of them coming. I can't remember off the top of my head what's coming first or what's coming second, but we know that Disney is working on a live action Aladdin film. Um, we know that Disney is working on and developing a live action Mulan film. We know that Tim Burton has signed on to do a Dumbo live action film. Uh, Beauty and the Beast is coming. There's talks about Little Mermaid. 
Tony, I was going to say Tony Stark, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is uh, apparently attached to pl- play Geppetto and produce a live-action Pinocchio film. There's talks of a Tinkerbell, a Fantasia. Uh, there's a, even talk about a standalone Prince Charming movie and a Sword in the Stone. So Disney, as of right now, has an awful lot of projects in the works of classic animated fare that is being translated into live-action. And look... I am still not sure about where I am on Disney's live action stuff because I did not like Alice in Wonderland. I thought that was, I'll be frank, I thought that was a terrible movie, the one directed by Tim Burton. I thought it was just awful. And then they did Maleficent, and I didn't think Maleficent was very good either. Angelina Jolie as Maleficent was amazing, but I, I didn't think the movie, I thought the movie disappointed. And But then comes Cinderella. And I thought Cinderella, directed by Kenneth Branagh, uh, starring Lily James, I believe. I thought that was wonderful. And Kate Blanchett, and look, I thought Kate Blanchett should have been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for playing the, the evil stepmother in that. I thought she was great in that. So I'm, the, the jury's kind of out right now on how do I feel about Disney live action films. But I do know this. I'm really looking forward to their Beauty and the Beast one. And guys, wait until you see The Jungle Book. The Jungle Book opens this week. I've seen it twice already. I cannot recommend it enough. I Look, you'll rarely hear me say this, but I guarantee you will enjoy this film. I'm not guaranteeing you it's going to be in the top 10, your top 10 favorite movies of the year or anything like that. But I guarantee you're going to like this movie. And you're going to have a good time watching this movie. I don't know what it is right now, but the last time I checked, Jungle Book was holding 100%. On Rotten Tomatoes. That, that's the last time I might have dropped since then. But I think everybody who goes to see this film will either absolutely love it or at the very least like it. So make sure you go out and check that out. All right, let's move on. The next question comes from Belinda Mitchell, who writes, Hi, John. I heard a report say that Comic-Con will start streaming Hall H panels. Is that true? <clears throat> uh, thanks a lot for the question, Belinda. And yeah, one of the big things a lot of people online complain about quite often is that these amazing panels happen in Hall H at Comic-Con every year at the San Diego Comic-Con, and they never get to see them. Well, now it's been announced that the new network that I'm a part of, Comic-Con HQ, will be broadcasting the Hall H panels. Now, there's a couple of asterisks to go beside this. Number one, they will not stream live. And that's cool. I mean, I totally get that. Like, why bother going to the event if it's just going to be streaming live anyway? So it's going to be, they will show them a little bit later. Now, they didn't define how much a little bit later is, whether it's a few hours later or a couple of days later or a couple of weeks later. It will be a little bit later. But if you are a subscriber to Comic-Con HQ, you are going to be able to see all the Hall H panels. Maybe not the same day, but you're going to be able to see them all. Now, the other asterisk with this, and I'm not really clear on this. I've just been reading some interviews, so I have to get some clarification. But the early trailers that they sometimes show in Hall H, it's not guaranteed those will be broadcast as well. Because that's going to be up to each individual studio whether or not the studio wants this new trailer released publicly yet. And look, I fully support a studio's right to do that. 
I know we all like to act like children. Well, if they get to see it, I should get to see it too. Where, where, where? I'm five. No, I, I, I know there's that mentality out there, but I, what I never want to have happen is a studio to say, okay, we have this new trailer, but we're not ready to show it yet to the world. And so therefore we're not going to show it to anybody until four months from now. I would rather a studio go, okay, we're not ready to show this trailer for another four months, but at Comic-Con, because it is the hardest of the hardcore fans who went there, who lined up, who slept overnight in lines, all that kind of stuff, we'll give them a special sneak peek at it. Because honestly, I've said this before, I don't understand this five-year-old baby mentality. If they get it, I should get it too. I'm entitled. I've never understood that mentality. Like, so you would rather no one get, see, if I'm sitting here in Houston, Texas, and if I don't get to see it, I don't want anybody to get to see it. That's a baby mentality. Okay. That's the mentality of a child. So like if, if a studio says, okay, look, we've got this trailer and we were thinking about showing it, like, we're not going to release this trailer for three more months, but we were thinking about showing it just as a special treat to the people at Comic-Con, but now we, we can't because apparently I'm making this up, right? This is just me making this up, but, but, uh, this is a made up scenario, but, but, uh, but now apparently if we bring it to Comic-Con, then we have to show it to the world now and we're not ready to show it to the world. So we can't show it to anybody. And the people at Comic-Con don't get to see it. Now, remember, some people, when they hear me talk about this, they go, well, John, that's easy for you to say because you go to Comic-Con. Yeah, but guess what? I don't go to Hall H. I've stuck my nose into Hall H out of the hundred Hall H presentations that they've done over the past five years. I've maybe stuck my nose into two or three of them. I, I usually do not step foot in Hall H when I'm there. But just because I'm not in Hall H, that doesn't mean I'm going to adopt a crybaby mentality and say, well, if I'm not in there, I don't want those people to see it either. It's, it's a baby mentality. I just don't get it. Now, once again, this is only in a circumstance where um, it's like, look, if you're saying if the studio isn't going to show it to everybody now, then don't show it to anybody. Get over yourself. Seriously, get over yourself. But anyway. That's, that's just me rambling. You know, I've been, I've been saying that for years. That has been my personal opinion. If you've been watching me on any of my shows over the past few years, you know, that is my philosophy of this whole thing. So when it comes to this Comic-Con HQ thing, uh, Comic-Con HQ, like I said, it's probably going to be up. If I'm understanding the interviews properly, it's going to be up to the individual studios, whether or not they want any special footage they show in their Hall H presentations to actually stream as well. So yes, the Hall H panels will be broadcast, not live, but they will be broadcast shortly thereafter. And probably some of them will include special footage. Some of them will not because that will be up to the individual studio. So anyway, that's, uh, that's my take on that. Thanks a lot for the question. All right. And the next question today comes from, uh, DBU Stillo who writes, John, with a month in advance of the screenings, and good word of mouth spreading, any chance a Captain America Civil War comes close to Star Wars The Force Awakens numbers on opening weekend? Oh, man. I don't know. Um, let me bring this up, actually. The Force Awakens. 
box office. Okay. So here's, well, The Force Awakens right now has made over $2 billion worldwide. I don't think Captain America Civil War will do that. But you're talking about opening weekend. Opening weekend, Star Wars The Force Awakens almost made $250 million. All right, $250 million. Um, to put that in comparison, well, this final number was $247 million. $247 million is how much Star Wars The Force Awakens made opening weekend. To put that in uh, comparison, the last Avengers movie, Avengers Age of Ultron, opened to $191 million. So that's... Wow, um, that is $56 million short. That's a lot of cabbage. That's a lot of cabbage. With the big positive word of mouth that Captain America Civil War is going to get, because I've, almost everybody's going to love this movie. It's amazing. Um, I believe you are going to see better a better opening weekend box office than Captain America or than uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. So I do believe Civil War will beat Ultron. I think it'll beat that $191 million that Ultron had. But I don't see it beating The Force Awakens $247 million number. I don't see that happening. That's just too astronomical of a number uh, to have happen. And let's go back to the last Marvel film. Uh, I believe Ant-Man was the last Marvel film. And Ant-Man opened to $57 million opening weekend. Now, Ant-Man is clearly different from an Avengers film, obviously, but I think when you look at those numbers, I think the big positive word of mouth will push Captain America Civil War to over a $200 million opening weekend, but I do not think it'll catch Star Wars The Force Awakens. But as in anything else in life, we shall have to wait and see how that actually turns out. All right, last question of the day, and this one comes from Derek Large, who writes... John, I know the trailers for Ratchet and Clank haven't been the best. As a fan of the games, I have hope. Will it be good? Um. Well, remember what we were talking about with Underworld? How he said, look, you got two separate things. You've got how does the film look, and then you have to take those expectations, leave them at the door, and then judge how was the actual film after you see it. It is an understatement, Derek, when you say the Ratchet and Clank trailers have not looked good. That's an understatement. They look terrible. This movie looks... Remember, we're talking about previewing it, okay? The movie Ratchet and Crank looks awful. It does. It doesn't matter if you're a fan of the game. I'm really glad that you are a level-headed thinking guy that as a fan of the games, you have been able to still be objective about it and go, hey, yeah, even though I'm a big fan of the games and I have high hopes for the movie, this marketing has not looked good. Because you're right, the marketing has looked terrible outright awful. But when you're asking the question, as a fan of the games, I have hope. You should have hope. Absolutely have hope. Because like I said, I've, I've named several examples of times when movies look bad, but they can end up being really good if you give them a shot. It doesn't mean they will be good. We don't know. And it doesn't change the fact that Ratchet and Clank looks bad, but if you're a fan of the game, you should not abandon hope just because it looks bad. Because it could still end up being really good. And maybe as a fan of the game, you will walk out being very, very satisfied. So that's the important thing here. So I really appreciate the question. I really appreciate that you're a level-headed thinking fan, that you're able to be a fan of something and yet recognize when something's not so good, like you did with the marketing. 
But just because the marketing doesn't look good, I think that means you should adjust your expectations down, but I don't think you should lose any of your hope because we have seen there have been times when movies have looked terrible and turned out to be great. And I think you should hold on hope for that. All right, guys, that'll do it for me for this installment of the John Campia podcast. Once again, don't forget, check my YouTube channel later today for my full review of Captain America Civil War after seeing it twice. Uh, I've seen the movie two times now, and I cannot wait to talk to you guys about it more full and more in depth. And I'll do that on my YouTube channel a little bit later today. And make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash John Campion. Make sure you click the subscribe button. And guys, make sure you're following me on social media. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else at John Campy. I put out a lot of stuff. I'm very active on my social media. So make sure you're following me and send me messages on your favorite social media platform. Uh, and once again, guys, don't forget my new show. And I'm, we're going to be ready to announce a title soon, I promise. But my new show on the brand new Comic-Con HQ channel is coming in May. Keep your ears open. You can subscribe for free right now. You can get a free trial subscription for about three or four months. If you go over to ComicConHQ.com, that's Comic-ConHQ.com, and you can sign up for a free trial of this brand new network launching in May, you will not regret it. So go on over there and check that out. And by the way, guys, once again, I ask you this. If you like this podcast and you we entertain you a little bit during the day, can you do us a favor? Head on over to iTunes. Open up iTunes, even if you don't use iTunes normally. Open up iTunes. Search for the John Campia podcast. And when you find it, rate this podcast and leave a comment on this podcast. That would help me out a great deal. So that'll do it for me, guys. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the John Campia podcast. And until next time, bye-bye.